You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and intern Sting with you on your Friday afternoon here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Also, you can watch the show on the various Facebook pages Radio Alabama Sports, Fox Sports Central Alabama, and ESPN 106.7. Phone lines are open. Number to call 334-321-1390. That'll put you through to On the Line. We want to hear from you on this wonderful Friday afternoon. Sun is high in the sky. Some clouds to make it a picturesque afternoon out here on the plains here in auburn alabama gentlemen how are y'all doing today and i think you know let's go with our our sports idea that we were talking about the other day on wednesday how are you doing in the scope of the sports world i mean could be better could be worse i mean the best my favorite day of the year the nfl draft first round has concluded and everybody sniped Every single player that I wanted the Saints to get, your Browns included, taking Greg Newsome a few picks before us. Rashad There's Bateman. There's some beef in the studio. Rashad Bateman was just one pick away from the Saints, the guy that I've been high on. I think he's probably the fourth best receiver in the draft. But I mean, a lot of people were pretty high on Tony. I really wasn't that big on him compared to Bateman. I like Bateman a little bit better. He missed out on him. Caleb Farley goes way too early. We couldn't trade up to get a cornerback, and we end up with the swing for the fences type of guy. So now we have spent three first round picks trying to get an opposite edge rusher to cam jordan because we all know marcus davenport out of utsa has not done anything for the saints so that's okay but royals still top of the major league still the best team in baseball just throwing that out there for anybody out there who uh you know just just might be might be wondering what they're doing they're still top of the baseball and as i always do tough game last night the nc dinos of the korean baseball league they have dropped down to 11 and 12 one game under 500 two and a half out of first place for anybody who cares they're trying to defend the sword that they won last year in the championship well, i don't think anyone cares on that front yeah i don't definitely. They're, they're asking hey. for i mean they're they, they get it whether they want it or not how about that well hey at least you're not uh the cowboys and had uh, your top two choices taken back to back right before you that's true but that is yeah true. I mean, they I, ended up with a good guy michael parsons but it they were looking for a cornerback they're looking right. for certain and they were looking for jc horn and both of those guys they get needed somebody snapped right before they go more touchdowns than ever before in franchise history yeah as for me i'm i'm doing all right i guess i mean my team's kind of all lost yesterday actually no that's wrong uh the rockets Beat the Milwaukee Bucks last night. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr., who was called up from the G League about six weeks ago, dropped 50 points and 11 assists to take down the reigning MVP and the Bucks. That's a bad win. That's a horrible win. Probably the worst win in franchise history because you don't want to win games at this point. You want to be losing those games. I don't know. I think there's something about the trade deal the Rockets have that I'm pretty sure if they keep losing, I think there's a protection in there somewhere because oh. the Thunder are really bad. That's true. So they need. So they actually do need to win. A couple I think. Games. I think winning, yes, was pretty important for, uh, it's, the, for, it's, for their pick chances. But other, it's, it's uh, that weird type of year where you actually want your teams to lose and you get mad. When right. They, but they needed to so win. They're so bad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But as for my other teams, not great. I mean, the Astros lost for the first time in a couple of games yesterday. Lost one to nothing to the Mariners, and my my NFL team is going to have their first pick in the draft at number sixty-seven overall. 
So. Wait, hold on a minute. Over lunch, we were trying to get oh, you yeah, a new no, NFL I I'm, team. I, I'm, abandoning, I'm abandoning them. But well, I then just, you can't say my NFL team is about to have their first selection. Don't, don't, don't hop off the Texans bandwagon just yet. Aaron Rodgers for Deshaun Watson, who says no? I don't A lot say of no. people say no. I, actually, I mean, sure, I'm sure the Packers say no to that, too. <laughs> if if uh, Cal McNair or whoever the GM is now can pull it off, then They're, they might... They might win me back Honestly, over. Honestly, I feel like it would fit a little bit better and it'd work out a little bit better if there weren't the looming legal issues that have been surrounding oh, Deshaun absolutely. Watson. Because that just fixes both guys' situations. It's like, right. yeah, you know what? Neither of these guys want to be here. Does it, though? Because do we totally believe that the Houston Texans are really a step above in the front office oh, than the Green Bay Packers? Mm, absolutely not, but it I, fixes the Packers' problem. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't fix Aaron Rodgers' problem, but it fixes them. Yeah, that's that. I mean, I would... Yeah, before all the legal issues, that would be it. Would be that easy. would be that would have been a great pick. That'd be kind of the thing you're waiting for because clearly Watson has no interest in remaining with the Texans. It appears and apparently he may not have a choice, and apparently Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to remain with the team as, either. So yeah, yeah, it would out. be a perf- perfect little swap, and it's not like it's a big cap hit. I mean, they're both making about the same amount of money right now. I think. I mean, Taysom Hill for Aaron Rodgers. Who says no? Easy, <laughs> easy. What about Jameis? What, what about Jameis? Your boy Winston. Jameis and Tyson okay, J- Hill for Aaron Jameis Rogers. is awesome. Like and Jameis, I mean, we're gonna be we're gonna be eating dubs all next year. The fact that that's on camera. <laughs> People don't know what he's doing, but he's he's eating the W like Jameis Winston did when he was a Buccaneer. Loki just completely forgot that we were on camera. <laughs> but yeah, we're gonna eat dubs next year with Jameis. But like Aaron Rodgers is clearly better than Jameis Winston, so you'll take him at any point in time. But sure, I'm still rolling with my boy Jameis. We just gotta get him a receiver. That was the Chicago Bears approach. They said Andy Dalton was QB one, and then like, oh wait, Sorry Justin Fields is still here. My, Let's go for it. My friend who's a Bears fan, he was at the house last night. And apparently on like the sub, like the dark, the dark like recesses of Bears Reddit, they legitimately thought they were getting Kellen Mond at some point in the first round because they were just like, <laughs> all the quarterbacks are going to be gone. Our front office is incompetent. And they're just going to take Kellen Mond. So his face when they traded up, he, I haven't seen that man so excited since Mitchell Trubisky won the MVP of the you know Nickelodeon game, he was excited. He was so happy to see Justin Fields fall to them. But then it still took a while because he had that moment where he said, oh, are we going to get Mac Jones here? He's like, oh, no, I don't want Mac Jones. I want Justin Fields. So then he then it was like all the excitement reset itself. He said, please just get Justin Fields, please. So I would imagine that's kind of – it's pretty similar to how I was when the Texans dra- traded up to draft Watson. They traded up ahead of the Browns. So I, I think – actually, no, they traded with the Browns. I think – People thought the Browns were going to take Watson, and the Texans jumped up to get him, and I, I, I was pretty thrilled at the time. <laughs> what could have been? But then again, right now, I'm, I'm like, two thumbs up. It worked. <laughs> yeah. It worked out. I mean, I thought we, I thought the Saints traded up to get uh, get Lamar Jackson that year, that they traded up to get Marcus Davenport, so I was excited. I was, I was at Buffalo Wild Wings fist pumping. Me and my cousin are high-fiving, and then I look over, and I see Marcus Davenport, some guy that – I've never heard of that we gave up two first to get, and uh, I mean I'm pretty sure I have as many sacks as he has in his like eight his four years with you know the Saints, so it's crazy. Ouch. Well, if you guys want to hear how I'm doing, I'm spent because you had a day. My baseball broadcast beat out in duration the NFL draft broadcast. That's crazy. I was on air longer than the NFL draft was yesterday. Hey, but you know what you got to see. You got to see free baseball that you didn't pay for. 
I stand by that seven inning baseball is best baseball. But I, I'm here for it. I was you know on I'm air. here for it. I was doing a doubleheader yesterday, Morgan Academy. Lee Scott was in the playoffs, so I was in Selma at Morgan Academy. And there was a doubleheader. Jacob Hillman and I were there on that spot, that small little plot on planet Earth for <laughs> 10 hours. 10 hours. Yikes. I got there at about 245-ish, 250-ish. I left at midnight, so nine hours. It was an early night. Started the broadcast <laughs> at like 3.50, so I was on air from like 4 o'clock to midnight. Eight hours. That was rough, dude. Two ball games. Now, of course, there was a break in between 45 minutes, but it was a blast. Two great baseball games, and you love to see that because yesterday, and I'm not going to go into it, but yesterday was the epitome of two teams that were laying it all out on the field and what you get when two teams lay it all out in the field and they give their best effort and they're not willing to give anything you get two baseball games that you're not going to forget for a very long time you get baseball that goes into extra innings when they're laying yeah. it all on the line but after, on the line yeah there you go see he said it he said the name but yeah like you go through it and that's why now it kind of goes off of what we were talking about last year where seven inning baseball is best baseball or just home run contests and extra innings because then you don't have you don't have a team playing small ball to win the game where you're just like okay it would be more fun if they were just home run jacket it right now on our facebook stream because it's on the radio on au 100 but also you can watch the games on facebook on our facebook stream we had people in hackettstown new jersey and oakdale new york in addition to that we also had some folks in pennsylvania east coast represent it was tomorrow when we were still on air Oh, yeah, because... Yeah, it, broadcast didn't end until like 1 a.m. their time. Yeah, it's like or like 1.15. It, it hit that Eastern time zone market, and they're like, oh. But they didn't leave. Represent. I, I was here for it. I loved the support. It was great. So just thought I'd add that. My broadcast beat out the NFL broadcast. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> At least in duration. Because yeah, the NFL draft first round is a long time. It's very oh, yeah. long. It's a so long slow. time. So, uh, These it, are going to speed up over the next couple of days. Tonight's yeah. still going to be relatively long just because more rounds but on top of that still i believe they, they, tonight's pretty heavily watched nonetheless because second and third rounders they they account for something and they still, gonna have some selections possibly tonight but if not tonight it'll be on the the marathon that is tomorrow yeah they still they still announce some picks at least like some of the more high profile guys that you know fall down where they typically if you have uh have a guy who probably was supposed to go in the first round, they'll get announced, or a guy who was, like a Russell Wilson, where like when he was announced in the third, they announced him in the third round because he was a well-known guy coming out. It was a guy that they were like, oh, they know who this is. We'll announce this pick. You know, everybody's going to know about it. But yeah, you're going to, you still get some very good picks here. I mean, second round picks, you got guys, like this is your Nick Chubb range. You're getting guys like him in the second round. We we the Browns got Greedy Williams. Greedy Williams. Like this is where you're getting some, some value guys in your second and third round. Alvin Kamara sticks out for a team, you know, for one of my guys on my team. Uh, Marcus Williams, a safety for the Saints, who was about to, who's about to get a massive payday next year since they franchise tagged him this year when he was going to get one. Von Bell, Cincinnati uh, safety out there, another guy that you can get in the second round. So like guys like that, where they still matter. These picks are still important. It's going to go a little bit faster, but you still got two rounds, so it's going to kind of compensate another long night. But I'm here for it. I want the draft to be longer. It's my favorite day of the year. They can just stretch it out for as long as they want to. I'll watch it. 
let's transition this draft talk then to talk about Auburn do you guys think that someone gets selected tonight for the Tigers and if so who is it second or third rounds tonight ESPN I'll stand by what I told you lunch I feel like Schwartz could be a late third round selection tonight or maybe maybe KJ Britton third round oh no way on KJ I'm not sure KJ Britt is a day three guy saying that because defensive player but yeah I mean I think Schwartz is the most likely one just because I think there's going to be a GM out, GM out there who falls in love with his speed and wants to take on a project. And I, I, I can agree with that. I still think he's a tomorrow guy. Yeah. I think like I don't think we're going to see an Auburn guy taken tonight. But if we do, I could see an Anthony Schwartz would be the guy just because people will fall in love with the, with the speed. You know, the Raiders got the 79th and the 80th pick. We know what they like to do. They value speed over actually playing the receiver position. So they might go get a guy like Anthony Schwartz. You might see the Chiefs who might take a risk, throw it out there. Maybe the Ravens, they're kind of receiver needy. The Saints, they're Sean Payton likes getting some kind of gadget guys, some speedy guys. I just think there's too many good – I think there's too many – Like I think there are more, there are better receivers left on the board. Like I'm talking about just in totality. Like, yeah, Anthony Schwartz has that speed that he could do it. But I think when you, you're looking at it, there are still guys like Rondell Moore who are still right. on the table right now to be selected – you have Tutu Atwell, another guy who a lot of people are high on. I like Dwayne Eskridge. That's a guy that's a pretty good one that you could get out of Western Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. Dwayne Eskridge is another one of those speedy guys. And I think they bring more to the table than Anthony Schwartz does. Just Yeah, from I agree. A, like in totality. Like Anthony Schwartz is going to be faster, but like I think some of those guys you would rather look at who fulfill the same similar role but are further along in their receiver development and what right. they do. More sure-handed, have better route tree, those kinds of guys. Well, over lunch, Sting and I were discussing Anthony Schwartz, and I made the point, I don't think we've ever seen the guy have to play through contact. You haven't. Like, you really haven't seen him have to play through it. And the few times we have, I think we've seen the ball come out. So I wonder how good this guy can be at the next level in terms of being a sure-handed wide receiver. Everything was pretty much engineered for him to basically avoid contact at Auburn. Yeah, I mean, like, he he wasn't set up to to have to play through any kind of contact. And I think that you're also looking at the fact that he's going to come in with not a great knowledge of an NFL route tree because it just didn't exist in Auburn's scheme when he was there. So like you're, there are a lot of things that work against him when you're thinking about Anthony Schwartz coming in as a ready-to-play guy. That's why I think you take a flyer on him late. Like, yeah, the speed, top-notch, dude. You got all the speed in the world. That's awesome. But is he worth you taking a flyer on him in the third round when there are better guys like Rondell Moore, Terrence Marshall Jr., Dwayne Eskridge, Tutu Atwell, like guys who are further along and do more things than Anthony Schwartz does. But all it takes is one team. If one team falls in love with it, that's all it takes sometimes. I pose this question to Sting as well, and you'll have a better answer for this than us two just because of your extensive knowledge into the league but also into draft history. How many guys whose only claim to fame – when it comes around to draft day, how many just speed guys, tiny speed guys, how many of those guys actually make it in the league? Oh, I mean, plenty of them get drafted, but how many of them make it in the league is very, is like few and far between. It's Tyreek Hill. That's it. And Tyreek Hill was a late draft guy because he had issues coming out. Like he was a guy that kind of fell down some some boards because he was he got into some issues at Oklahoma State and ended up at West Alabama, and he kind of just fell into the right position. He fell into a spot where. They were able, like he felt with a, an offensive head coach that saw what he had in him and utilized him. But when it comes to guys who are speed only, 
I mean, you look at it, Henry Ruggs was a little disappointing last year. I mean, he could still, it's still young in his career. I don't want to write him off just yet. John Ross from Cincinnati did absolutely nothing. Had the fastest 40 time at the combine. And those nothing. two guys were much more robust wide receivers yes. coming into the league than Anthony Schwartz. I'm not trying to disparage the guy who's a good college receiver or above average college receiver, but I'm not sold that it's going to work out in the league. He's actually one of the guys I'm not confident in Auburn's receiver room this receiver room going to the NFL and succeeding I don't see a whole lot out of these guys that's going to translate well to the next level and maybe we'll get to that later but I don't know we just haven't seen it we haven't seen the speed guy just work out everybody sees Tyreek Hill and they're like we can do that and then it doesn't work out Miko Hardman's on the same team and Miko Hardman has been the most consistent player of the NFL consistently bad year in and year out like he's nothing (laughs) like he hasn't done anything for them at all like the speed guy we haven't seen that work out outside of just a handful of guys. And typically, the handful of guys who have worked out brought more to the table than just speed. So why, in some mock drafts, is Anthony Schwartz a second-round pick? It seems like you're wasting it or it's a stretch. They're, they're still looking at that top-notch speed. I really hope Cleveland doesn't fall for this because he's mocked to Cleveland it just, in a couple of drafts, and I'm like, no, we it, need defense. It depends Don't do on, it to me. It depends on where he goes. Like you can, you can look at him and say, oh, if he goes to the Kansas City, you feel comfortable with him. But like, I don't because they didn't do it with McCall Hardman. He didn't pan out. The Steelers get the most out of their wide receivers. You'd feel comfortable if he ended up in a place like that, even if like, oh yeah, there's a little bit of, a little bit of problems that he's got. But you trust him. You trust him going to anywhere with a quarterback like I don't know Green Bay because. Aaron Rodgers, if he's still there, you trust Aaron Rodgers to get him the football. There are just places that you feel more comfortable when a guy like that goes to, but at the same time, he's so far behind, in my opinion, that you're getting him just based off of... He runs fast. Yeah, and you think that you can develop him into something more than just that. You're just like, okay, if I can get him coming in, running NFL routes, you know, work on his footwork, work on playing through contact... I have a very good top end guy. Like I, his his ceiling could be Tyreek Hill, and people people are going to see that and think we can make him Tyreek Hill, and that's what a GM and front office they're going to try to do with him. Does it pan out? Probably not. I mean, there's a reason that most of those fast guys kind of bust out and don't really do too much. But if he goes somewhere that can develop him, it could work out. It's one of those big, you know, those swing for the fences type of plays where there's there's something there that you could hit on. There's also something that you can bust on, which it's why I kind of understand why he would go around three or four as opposed to round two. But we'll see. I think there are too many receivers on the board still that a lot of people weren't expecting to be here that will push him a little bit further down the draft. Yeah, that are better. Like I don't think they. Were, I think a lot of these people weren't expecting guys like this to be available throughout because I still think the receivers are. There's a lot of them that are still going to kind of hold firm mm-hmm. and push him down the list. On the other side of this break, we talk about Jaron Handy announcing that he's entering the transfer portal, deciding to transfer from Auburn football. We'll discuss what that means for the Tiger defense moving forward here on On the Line. You're on the line with Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and intern Sting on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Sting, it's your last day with us today, man. I know. I'm sad. Riding off into the sunset. Hopefully coming back in a few months, but yeah. Enjoy summer. Enjoy summer. I will do my best. While you're lo- while you're young. Yeah, no kidding, right? And especially this summer with 
effectively having last summer more or less taken away. That is true. You actually do get to really experience a little bit more this summer than you got to... Hopefully, anyway, ideally. That would be nice. Unless I don't I... know. Last summer, it was kind of it was chilling down at that point, though. Yeah, it was, but it was still and it like... it peaked after the 4th of July. I also was working way too much because, uh, yeah. I mean, when... When I got married and went to the beach over last summer. I did go to the beach. I did go. I went and stayed with my mom because everything was closed down. I wasn't working at the time because, well, all the restaurants were closed. That was the only job I had at yeah. the moment was working at a restaurant. They were closed. I was like, oh, I'll just go hang out with my mom in Orange Beach for a little bit and just, just soak up some sun because there's nobody down there because nobody was wanting to take vacations because everybody's indoors. And I'm just out there sitting on the beach working on a tan, which I can't quite do right now because I'm kind of pale because I have to... Uh, Wear Mr. Brace around right now. I could have some sick tan lines, though. Like, I'm going to have just some <laughs> cool robotic-looking tan lines on me. You get to keep that, right? Yes, I do. I'm probably going to take it out. Like, Was it off- free? or I, Well, free is probably not a right, the right terminology. I guess it was included. It was as, covered. Yeah. It was covered. I'm going to take it out back, um, like, office space style, and just take a bat to it and just start destroying it slow motion style whenever I get out of this. Don't do that. You could have a really cool Halloween costume one day, maybe. Yeah, with a back brace. Oh no, I'm this. this you can find something to I'm do. I'm sure you could. This thing, hundred percent, getting worn to Six Flags. I'm not waiting <laughs> in a single line when I go up there. I'm riding around. I'm just gonna be like, hey, my back hurts. Front of the line. <laughs> that's not gonna. That's not gonna, that's work gonna work whatsoever. They'd be like, you shouldn't be on the ride. Sir. Exactly. They're like, yeah. They're like, I don't I think, think. I think this is against also. Our rules. I'm pretty sure that'll set off the metal detector. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> Are you sure you need to ride this roller coaster? <laughs> you sure you need to walk around this park? Like the, I got, I don't. I'm pretty sure that I haven't been to Six Flags years. I don't think that the Georgia Cyclone is still there. But that one was rough on your back, even when you didn't have back. Last problems. time I was there, it was. It kind of feels like it's in and out of commission when I go to Six Flags. But that is a lot of rides. That I, that's true. I mean, the, I just remember the Cyclone being rough on my back before I had back everybody's. issues. Uh, the Ninja, which was repurposed. Into I've never ridden the Ninja. That one will give you CTE. Like it's like I'm sure you're tall enough to where it's like the shorter people I figured out they didn't have this issue, but the taller people it kind of slams your head around into yeah. the sidebars. Oh, I remember that. And one once now. you get like once you get to a certain height, like you're it's like I don't want to ride that's that. That's why it's called the ninja. Right? Well, it's something yes, else now. It it's, it's all the twists yeah. and the corkscrews. Yeah, oh, it's gosh. the red track. And yeah. now getting, it's, it's in between. Yeah. Well, now it's blue. They like I said, they repurposed it for a movie that they that they made that they actually shot there. And I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know a, what it's, it's called now. It's a completely now. different ride now. Uh, well, it's, I don't know. It's, it's probably different, the same ride, a different, but different yeah. name. It's yeah. a different coat of paint on it. That's all it is. It still hurts your head and it slams you around. Like, that's that's to all get that matters. People to still ride it, you know. Oh yeah, they have to repurpose it and be like, hey, this is new. Like I, another one it? that's hard on you that I really enjoy. Great American Scream Machine, man. Yeah, it's a classic. The it Scream is. Machine's a classic. That now, was a good oftentimes one. I feel like I'm going to come out of my seat and end up in the lake, but I do enjoy it. That's half the that fun. Is a, that is yeah, a, that's ha- the half the fun is thinking you're yeah. going to fall out of it. That's I mean, that's what you got to do. You hope that you just end up in the water and take a nice little swim. I'm getting to the point where when I go to Six Flags, the roller coasters, after I, after I get one or two in my system throughout the day... They stop having an effect on me. Like, I don't get any type of, like, thrill in, in your gut, you know, that feeling uh, when you're getting tossed around. Like, I, I don't get any type of feeling out of it. I just feel like I'm taking a ride, a car ride up and down, topsy-turvy. Is something wrong with me? <laughs> like, your body just gets adjusted to it, yeah. I guess. You're, yeah. you're not doing something that is triggering your adrenaline. Like, we need to go skydiving to get that, put that fear back into you. 
I'm not getting on that bungee jumping ride. You don't thing. like the yeah, bungee no, one? That I'm, one's fun. I've fine. never done that. I will not do that. I know that this seems counterintuitive to somebody who really does like roller coasters. I really, I'm I'm pretty averse to heights. Oh, oh yeah. Mm-mm. And that is one where I'm just like, Mm-mm. not 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 yeah. going on Can't that. Can't do one. heights. I want to be afraid for my life. That's the best way to get the juices going. Love it. I've seen too many Final Destination movies. <laughs> That's the fun of it. Like I mean, that's the as problem. I walk you, by like, it, I kind of have this vision of it snapping and me being over. So I have <laughs> I'm that with not taking that. <laughs> I have that with fairs. Fairs freak me out. I don't want to get on anything that they put up in a day's time. Like that's weird to me. <laughs> like I don't feel like that's stable. I don't want to. That, that that that's very accurate. Also, fair rides make me sick. That that's a whole different ball game, and I don't want to. I don't want to play with inertia and all that to make me nauseous that that's that a conversation for another day jaron handy deciding to transfer from auburn what does this mean for the auburn program because as sting pointed out during the break reminding us all he was the player that was praising the auburn coaching staff so often during this offseason the new coaches come again his first tweet was i absolutely love my new coaches best decision i ever made some emojis thank you auburn y'all did listen and I'll be real, the first time I saw that, I was like, is he being sarcastic? But then he continued to praise the coaching staff throughout the yeah, offseason. I'm pretty sure he posted a video or two of just workouts that he was doing in practice. And was like, okay, well, he seems pretty happy. So it's like, maybe he'll be pretty good. Maybe he can break into a, a more active rotational role than he has than he's had the last two seasons. But I, I guess not. I'm a little confused. I mean, we know that he wasn't uh, present for the A-Day game. We weren't told why. I'm going to say maybe. Maybe he didn't get along with the coaching staff after all. Maybe at first, maybe initially he was like, yeah, this is great. And then it just sort of dwindled down. Sometimes you can like somebody all you want to like. You can love your coaching staff, but if you're not playing and that's what your top priority is, if you don't feel like you're going to play the amount that you want to play, you got to do what's best for you at the end of the day as a college athlete. And maybe he's looking to go somewhere where he can be, um, you know, he can have a more prominent role and probably a starting role somewhere else. Y'all hit the nail on the head. I don't think we'll ever know. And, I don't think that there's issues there between the two. Just considering... It just seems more like playing time to me. Like right. You just want to go somewhere where you can play more. Because he's behind Derek Hall. He's behind the pass rushers. He's going to be behind Eku Leota. He's behind he's guys that are going yet. to be... Right. He's behind guys that are going to be rushing the passer for Auburn. And you want to be the guy and someone that was highly recruited coming out of high school... He wants to go and play somewhere, and now there's an opportunity for you to transfer, and you get a blanket waiver, and you're able to not have to sit out of here. This guy can be at an SEC school. He'll still have to get a waiver from the SEC to avoid having to sit out, but he can go anywhere else in the country and not have to sit out. So. UCF. He could go to the bounce house. <laughs> On the other side of this break, we talk with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. Back in just a moment. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and intern Sting with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. End of the week, we're working for the weekend. And now we've got Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsman on the line with us. Christian, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing good. How about yourself, Noah? We're doing excellent. We got some news to talk about today. You know, the NFL draft is going to provide sports talk show hosts across the country weeks of content. But then there's some more local content here with Jaron Handy today announcing his decision to enter the transfer portal. 
what do we know on this situation? Yeah, that one, it really kind of caught me off guard because he was one of the players that's been the most vocal about the new coaches and how much he's enjoyed uh, working with them. He's tweeted about it a couple times. Um, that one really did catch me off guard. He was a talented player. He wasn't an A-day, so there were kind of some questions around that. And I think he would have had a role as a backup uh, edge defender on this team, but it's not like he's a starter. I don't really think it's a huge blow to next year's defense. And I think this is just kind of the way college football is moving. I think this certainly won't be the last player Auburn is losing. And that's not me saying, yeah, I know a certain player is leaving. I just think that's kind of the way it's going to be. I think Auburn's probably going to lose a couple more players to the portal uh, now that spring ball is wrapped up. And also now that it's official that guys can transfer without repercussion unless it's inside the SEC. There is still the rule in the SEC that guys have to get a waiver to play at another Southeastern Conference school. But I think a lot of people are leaning towards it's not going to matter. One day that's going to be wiped away as well, at least sometime in the near future. Do you, do you have any knowledge on that? What's your opinion on that subject about how the transfer portal is going to affect things this upcoming year? Yeah, no, I mean, I, you hit it on the nail on the head the transfer portal is really changing pretty much everything in college football, college basketball, all college sports. Um, I believe the SEC is meeting in May, and that's probably one thing that they're going to vote on, whether or not to totally eliminate the interconference transfer rule where you would have to get a waiver or sit out a year. I kind of would expect the SEC to uh, get rid of that, and then you can transfer within the SEC as well. So that's kind of something to look out for in May. Moving forward here, the NFL draft tonight – we're getting into the range of the draft where we might see some Auburn players selected tonight. Seth Williams, Anthony Schwartz are the two guys that you would expect to go tonight if you're going to see guys go tonight. Maybe if someone reached on Jamie and Sherwood into the third round. But how many guys go tonight and who are they? You know, I'm going to go with one. I think Anthony Schwartz is going to sneak into the third round, but I think that's it. Um I would expect pretty much everyone else to get drafted tomorrow. I don't think Seth Williams will go tonight. Um, Jamie and Sherwood, he could sneak into the third, but I don't really see it happening. And KJ Britt is kind of a later round guy as well. So I'll go with one in Schwartz, but I really wouldn't be surprised if there's no picks tonight for Auburn players. If you had to guess, talking about Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz, we've seen this is an interesting debate, I think, that to have about two former Auburn receivers going into this draft. You talk about pure all-around receiver tools you look at Seth Williams maybe having the edge on Anthony Schwartz but we know how much teams in the NFL value speed and it makes them go crazy when a guy runs a sub 4 340 or a sub 4 440 and they see how fast a guy is they they can't help themselves and now they've got a shot to draft someone that is sub 4-3 I can't remember his exact 40 time but I know it was in the 4-2 range for you, which guy do you see as a better all-around prospect going into their NFL career, Seth Williams or Anthony Schwartz? As a better all-around prospect, I would say Seth Williams. I think he has more of the intangibles as a receiver. He's a go-up-and-get-it guy. He probably has a little bit more of a diverse route tree, and he's more of a physical receiver. But me personally, if I were an NFL GM, I would look at Anthony Schwartz. I think he's just – I mean, he just – he has speed. You just can't teach speed. Um I think he'll be a very good NFL receiver moving forward. So how long do you think it's going to take for Mac Jones to usurp Cam Newton's starting role? Bill Belichick came out and said that Cam's our guy, but how long do you think that lasts? You know, I'm not super high on Mac Jones. Don't get me wrong, he had an incredible season at Alabama, and he looked very good, but 
pretty easy to look very good when you have four future NFL wide receivers, a first-round running back right next to you, and you have the best offensive line in the country probably blocking for you. So I'm just not – I don't know. I'm not huge on Mac Jones. Patriots don't have a ton of weapons around him, so I don't know. I don't really know how he's going to fare there. So I don't know if Mac Jones will take the starting job at all this year, but really, who knows? I don't. I don't know the Patriots too well, so – a look at the Auburn basketball roster after you you hit the nail on the head. We talked to you last Friday, and you said that Walker Kessler was going to be announced on Monday, and then bam, take it to the bank Monday. Walker Kessler <laughs> announced for Auburn. Speaking with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. He was announced on Monday. You got Wendell Green Jr. as well as Zepp Jasper also signing their financial aid agreements to transfer and play basketball at Auburn. JT Thor we're still waiting on his decision a week later you also still have one scholarship available outside of that has anything changed on that front or do we still stand at where we have uh, pretty much for the last couple of weeks nope really not too much has changed at all um Jeffrey Lee of our AuburnSports.com had a good report the other day talking about Auburn basketball fans should probably just pump the brakes a little bit and kind of wait for a little while he thinks JT Thor is gone as do I um and that it might be a while before Auburn kind of fills out these last two spots. Like I said last week, they're still waiting on Scoot Henderson, which it could come literally right now, but it looks more likely that he's going to wait until the summer to make a decision on whether or not to reclassify. So looks like Auburn basketball fans are just going to have to kind of wait and see what happens with the uh, last two spots on the roster. For you, do you think that there's a specific need on this roster, or do you think it's set? I mean, looking at it, I don't see too much of a need. This is probably the most talented roster that Bruce Pearl has had at Auburn. I think that's what I would say. I don't know if everyone would agree with that, but, I mean, you have one of the best three, four, fives in the country and Alan Flanagan, Jabari Smith, and Walker Kessler, and Wendell Green and Zeb Jasper splitting point guard duties is very good. The two spot is a little iffy with Trey Alexander leaving, but I think Desi Sills can fill that along with Devin Cambridge and maybe some other guys. But this is a very talented roster. It's kind of at a point where they have so much talent. If someone pops into the portal that's very good, you might take him. But, I mean, they're they're too deep at every single position right now. So you don't have a lot of glaring holes. We talked about this on Monday and Tuesday, ranked our – top scoring threats for the 2021 basketball season who would be at the top of your list and then maybe also give us a number two as well because I think most everybody's got Jabari Smith at the top of that list but after Smith who's the who's the next biggest threat to score the basketball for Auburn next season because we all had varying answers and I'm curious to think or curious to know what you think Ooh, I'm actually going to flip that a little bit I'm going to take Alan Flanagan at number one um, I've been very impressed with Alan Flanagan, especially this past season. I know some Auburn fans were getting on him, but he was playing out of position when he was able to play at his natural position. He looks very comfortable. He looks very good. I would expect more of a progression next year. And I've been kind of tabbing him as a guy that I think could be all SEC by the end of next year. I'm going to go with Alan Flanagan at one, and then I will take Jabari Smith at number two. Um, but Walker Kessler is another guy to look out for as well. And I also... I'm really high on Wendell Green, too. So, I mean, there's just so many talented players on this team. I love it. Hot takes yeah, like, on a Friday. With, that, with the spice. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I actually had Alan Flanagan at three on my list. At one, I had Jabari Smith. And then two, I had Wendell Green. Because I, like you, am high up on the guy. And I'm thinking, 
Jared Harper was ball dominant. He shot the basketball a lot. That seems to be a characteristic of every single point guard in the Bruce Pearl system that they end up being one of the top scoring threats. Maybe not as much for Javon McCormick, but he was probably the least talented scorer we've seen in, in quite some time for Bruce Pearl. But he was still a talented scorer, just the least talented when you're talking about Jared Harper and Sharif Cooper. But Wendell Green Jr. seems to have the tools. So I, I kind of had a hot take on mine to have Wendell Green that high up on the list. But Man, Alan Flanagan at the top, I like it. I absolutely like it. Do you think he's an NBA prospect after this year? I think so. Um, I mean, he was a guy that was kind of projected in late second rounds in mock drafts this year. Whether or not he would have gotten drafted is still a question, but he decided to come back. I mean, you just look at the numbers from year one to year two. They're insane. All of his numbers went up substantially, which... At the end of year one, I don't think really anybody expected that. So if he can even improve on those just a little bit next year and become more consistent and he'll be playing his natural two or natural three position instead of running point guard, the sky is the limit for him. I think he is a fantastic player for Auburn. Christian, I appreciate you taking the time to hop on the show with us today. Tell everybody where they can find your coverage, whatever you'll be doing this weekend, tell tell them where you can find your stuff, and then also uh, where where they can keep up with some Auburn baseball this weekend. Yes, you can follow uh, baseball with Brian Matthews of AuburnSports.com at BMATAU on Twitter, and then you can keep up with. I'll be looking at the draft all weekend. So you can keep up with me on Twitter at Clemente underscore, along with over at AuburnSports.com. Christian, I appreciate it, my man. I hope you have an excellent weekend. Enjoy the draft uh, and, and enjoy uh, enjoy all the things you'll be doing this weekend. Thank you. You guys as well. That was Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. Awesome as always. And we are going to wrap up the first hour of the show on the other side of this break here on On the Line. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. An intern sting on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Also, you can watch the show on Facebook. ESPN 106.7, Fox Sports Central Alabama and Radio Alabama Sports Facebook pages. That's how you can keep up with On the Line. Sting, it's your last day, my man, the swan song, as you said it. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm bummed, like I said a couple of segments ago. I, I'm bummed. I have really enjoyed getting to be out here and even in my limited airtime, come on and talk uh, talk with you guys about stuff. I've loved getting to do behind enemy baselines. I love getting to do crunching the numbers. I love just being a part of this show. You guys are great, so thank you for everything. Well, thank you. I will remember you. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what that was at first. <laughs> I didn't want to actually sing because, like, I don't want to make any. Like, I don't want to, you know. You don't make, want to shame us, you know. I, I don't want to make y'all feel bad because of how glorious my pipes are when I start just right. belting out songs. Get yourself a record deal on the air. That's oh, right. Yeah, Leave like, us behind. I, I totally get it. Yeah, I just want. I, I don't want to make anybody feel bad. Yeah, I don't want to make anybody feel bad by doing that. But and also, like, people would get so shocked in their cars. Like, it could be a health hazard when you hear these glorious pipes just belting into and serenading your ears on your afternoon drive don't i don't want that to happen to anybody so kind that's me just a man of <laughs> man of kindness i'm looking out for everybody oh yeah 
want to thank christian clemente of allmersports.com for joining us in that previous segment if you missed that conversation go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcasts also find his content at auburnsports.com that's how you can keep up with what he'll be doing this weekend he'll be covering the draft for auburnsports.com all weekend long as we get into territory where guys are going to be drafted we asked this question to him two guys look like they could be drafted today for auburn unless someone were to reach on a kj Britt or a jamie and Sur- uh, jamie sherwood and, and what a reach it would be if kj Britt, who is a guy that some people don't even think will get drafted and that Jamie Sherwood is is pretty much consensusly a sixth or seventh round pick, but how many gets drafted tonight? Who is it? I'm I'm actually going to go on the record. I don't think one gets drafted today. If Whoa. if it is, if someone does get drafted, I think it's going to be Anthony Schwartz. Like I agree with Christian Clemente. I like Seth Williams better as an overall prospect for receiver. He's an alpha type receiver who can be aggressive at times, and I think he's raw because of the system he played in in college. I think a team could take a flower on him late, and then you end up with a guy like Seth Williams who could be a number two receiver on a good team. And I like that, but I think someone is going to fall, see that speed. They're going to see what they got with Seth, or I'm sorry, Anthony Schwartz, and they're probably going, they might reach on him. I don't think it happens tonight. I've been wrong before. But I, I just don't see it happening tonight. I think they actually will stay put because there are just so many good receivers still available and who do things like that. Like Tutu Atwell is a guy who's got some speed, a little bit on the smaller side, but he's a guy who's still there. Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan, he's a guy with a lot of speed. He could be there that someone could take over. and there, Someone could take him over Anthony Schwartz. If someone gets drafted, it's Anthony Schwartz, but I don't think it happens tonight. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add to that. I mean, other than Christian Clemente did bring up Jamie Sherwood, who I kind of forgot about a little bit. I don't think he'd be a third-round pick either just because I, I think there are better prospects on the board. These picks right now are still really important. I could see somebody really liking his big hit ability. But, yeah, I, I don't think anybody will. If somebody does, I do still think it's Schwartz. I want to illustrate a point to you gentlemen here. Let's look at wide receivers, Auburn wide receivers, in the NFL draft. Not many. The last one to be drafted was Darius Slayton in the 2019 NFL draft. He was drafted in the fifth round. The next one after that, Ricardo Lewis in the 2016 NFL draft. He was drafted in the fourth round. Before that, Sammy Coates in the 2015 draft. He was drafted in the third round. He was not one of the higher picks in the third round. He snuck into it at the 23rd pick of the third round. Before Sammy Coates... You have to scroll way down on the Wikipedia page all the way to Courtney Taylor in wow. 2007. He was a six-round selection. We all remember how good Courtney Taylor was oh, yeah, he was in awesome. an Auburn uniform. Before Courtney Taylor in 06, Devin Aroma Shadu snuck in at seven in the seventh round alongside teammate Ben Obamanu. Both of those guys were in the seventh round. Before that, had a pretty decent career, right? Am I? Am I? He played for a couple years. Was in the league for yeah. a decent amount of time. I yeah. feel like Obamanu was as well. I feel yeah. like both of I those they, guys I were mean, in the both league. Both of those guys kind of hung around a little bit. Like, yeah. Probably like a three, four, five, six year career. Like nothing like spectacular, but more I mean, they than were the average. The yeah. average is right. like two. Yeah. Like I think I actually think it might even be lower. I think the average NFL, uh, the average NFL career is like one, maybe even like one and a half, like a little bit lower than two, which is crazy. Before wow. that, Jarris McIntyre. Went to the Kansas City Chiefs in 04 in the sixth round. Before that, Tim Carter back in 2002, second round selection. It takes us all the way back to 2002 
for us to name an Auburn football wide receiver that went higher than the third round. And there's just been one third round selection wow. since that time period as well. Auburn receivers aren't getting drafted tonight, gentlemen. That's what I'm telling That's you. Like, I don't think so. But we, we are in a situation where maybe there are greener pastures. Maybe there will maybe we'll see a trend with a more NFL ready scheme to get guys going. I mean, I saw the I was seeing the articles that have been coming out about Brian Harson and the quarterbacks he was offering at Boise State. You look at it, the only there's only one FBS school that offered Trey Lance coming out of high school. That article you're talking about on AL.com? Yeah, Tom uh, Green. Mr. Tom Green, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trey Lance was he Boise State was the only FBS school that offered Trey Lance. Really? Zach Wilson was committed to Boise State before Long going time. before going back to before flipping to BYU to be closer to home. So that's pretty good. And those guys were three-star recruits if I'm not mistaken they weren't highly talented or highly touted prospects coming out of high school so you look at it and it kind of brings me back to the reign of terror that Auburn fans were throwing at about all these three-star guys coming in here and you're like well he, he looks like he can get the best yeah. out like he maybe. looks like he has an eye for a quarterback right. whether maybe it's Brian a Harson has a pretty good eye for talent like he, he he was out actively trying to get the number two and the number three Picks in the draft. Picks in the NFL draft that people were over like people were undervaluing coming out of high school. So that is a that's something that Auburn can't take away. They didn't have anybody drafted in the first round. We knew that was gonna happen. We knew there wasn't yeah. a first round talent going into nah. the draft for Auburn. But you do get to look at that and think, man, like this guy had the number two overall pick committed to him that nobody else was really paying that much attention to because he was a three star under undervalued guy coming out of high school. And then you look at Trey Lance, he had one FBS school. Which was Boise State as well, so he can val. It's very good to look at that and you think Brian Harson can see guys, or at least see talent from the quarterback perspective that aren't your five and you know your five star, four star athletes that everybody's talking about. He at least can get the most out of, or at least sees the most potential in these guys that are undervalued coming out of high school. And that's good. That's a good thing moving forward because you're not always going to hit. You're not always going to get the big flashy four or five star guys. It's nice to know that he at least sees good talent and is a good evaluator of the quarterback position, so we see. And going back to what I was saying about the receivers and why I don't think we see a receiver drafted tonight, you even look at Malzahn's time, he only had two receivers drafted, and they one was a third-rounder with Sammy Coates, and he did not stay in the league for a long time. He had a cup of tea in the league. And then you get outside of that, you've got Darius Slayton, who's a fifth-round guy, and Darius Slayton's panned out at the moment for the Giants, but... I think there's a stigma against Auburn receivers in the NFL. Well, I think you can understand why. And you're right, Sting. I realized that you were showing me that Ricardo Lewis also got drafted. Yeah. So he's had three, excuse me. But Ricardo Lewis was, what, a fourth-round selection or something like that? And every single time these receivers come out, they throw Auburn under the bus and they say, well, Auburn didn't prepare me for this. And I know why they're doing it. They're doing it to say, hey, I've got tools you can develop me, I'm raw. You can make me into something, right? It's not my fault. I, I it, This is not something that should be held against me. I can still be a good wide receiver, right? They're blaming the school right. that they were at. But I think that also, I don't think it works that way because it really hasn't helped these guys in terms of their draft selection, has it? Has it made a difference? No. no. They're I, still getting drafted in the fourth or fifth round appropriately with their skill set. Maybe they're beyond repair at that point like, i remember ricardo lewis like he straight up said that when after the browns selected him i remember it was like like within like the otas and stuff like that he said i'm so far behind a wide receiver like i'm not where i should be 
and that's the problem that's why you're not seeing auburn guys get drafted receiver because i think it's working against them they're not ready to go play in the league yep that's it for hour number one of on the line we'll be back with hour number two of jeremy law of radio alabama sports join us at 3 30 still talking nfl draft more of on the line on the other side of this break you are on the line live on fox sports central alabama on 98.3 fm in birmingham and silicaga and in auburn and opelika on espn 1067 listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com you are on the line with noah gardner and levi fitzwater join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 hour number two of on the line noah gardner levi fitzwater and intern sting with you on the line on espn 106.7 and fox sports central alabama as well as on facebook go and find it on those two station facebook pages as well as radio alabama sports been a solid first hour of the show and hour number two is going to be much more of the same jeremy law will be coming up at 3 30 to talk to us about alabama players in the nfl draft surprises is he happy with where some of those selections are going we'll get some of his thoughts some of his opinions on the alabama nfl draft so far we'll be continuing to talk about auburn in the nfl draft for tonight and then also over the weekend because i think we see a large portion of the players i i've already said it i, I don't think any auburn guys go tonight i think the entire auburn draft class is tomorrow and yeah, i think that's, that's a think. hot take i think that's a hot take but i think all of them go tomorrow and i think we all agree that if it is if someone does go tonight it would be anthony schwartz because we think that somebody's going to see that speed and take a little bit of a flyer on him maybe i could still see either of them going in the third if schwartz evades the second round I can see Williams being the lone guy drafted tonight. And my reasoning for that is then nobody reached on Schwartz. And maybe people are comfortable by the time they get to the third round. A lot of receivers will have been taken by that point. It's a deep receiver class. Maybe by the time you get to the third round, there will be some teams that are like, we'll wait. This isn't the selection we want. And that's fair. I mean, that's fair to say. I just, I still think it's too deep for those guys to go. Like, I still think, yeah. like, even the lower end of receivers, like the lower end being like the lower, the guys who you would expect to go in rounds two or three, I think those guys are better than Anthony Schwartz and Seth Williams in terms of just draftable guys. Like, I still think that they provide a little bit more value than Anthony Schwartz or Seth Williams. Auburn baseball loses to number 20 Georgia last night. Auburn falling to 17 to 21 overall three and 16 and the sec georgia advancing to 27 and 14 and they're also above 500 for the first time in conference play and quite a little bit because they had seen themselves dug in a little bit of a hole over the last couple of weeks and now they've dug out of it 10 and 9 in sec play as auburn drops a 4-0 game in athens yesterday it was just one frame 4-0 in the sixth inning that was it that was the separator but i keep seeing a lot of tweets keep seeing a lot of stuff a lot of headlines that say one swing was the difference technically sure that one that one swing a grand slam is where all of georgia's runs came from but and i don't want to say it's lazy to say that because i understand the point but at this point in the year it's not one swing that's the difference 
No. Auburn had two hits. There were a lot of swings and misses I was say, they on were... Auburn's side. There, I mean, Ryan Bliss struck out four times last night. I'm not putting it all on him, but he had four at-bats and four strikeouts. Auburn, as a team, had ten strikeouts at the plate. So That means there was a – it came down to a lot more than one swing. It came down to a lot of swings that, like you said, were, missed. were missing. Three guys struck out on multiple occasions. Of course, Ryan Bliss had nearly half of the team's strikeouts, but then you had Bryson Ware struck out twice, Cam Hill struck out twice. On top of that, Auburn only had two hits. So it's a lot of swings that amount to a 4-0 loss. It's not just one that sees a grand slam over the wall for Georgia to be the difference and win the ballgame. Georgia had seven hits, four runs on those seven hits, and then Jack Owen got the loss. One and three on the year is Jack Owen. Now Ryan Webb for Georgia, the starter, got the W he now sits at three and three and then Harris for Georgia got the save his second of the season so not an optimal start for Auburn in this series against Georgia still two more to go across the weekend guys do they have it in them to take two more real quick do you have Ryan Webb's pitching stats on the night or Ryan Webb's pitching stats on the night he went six innings one hit Auburn six strikeouts across those six innings yeah faced 18 batters no walks he he set all of them down but one yeah he was one of my x factors yesterday on behind enemy baselines because we're talking about how great he and jonathan cannon were against number one vanderbilt that's part of the reason that georgia is now over 500 in the sec they took a road series against then number one ranked vanderbilt and ryan webb was one half of an incredible pitching duo i think they had 22 strikeouts combined but since that series Webb and Canna had both kind of fallen off and were struggling, so it was kind of a question of can they get back to form and shut down Auburn's offense, and it sounds like they did. I mean, check this stat line here for Ryan Webb. Six strikeouts, six flyouts, five ground outs. That was how he went about his business. So there was a lot of contact there, but it was nothing able to get out and generate any offense. What I see, though, when I look at that stat line is oh he had Auburn hitters off balance he generated outs in three different ways all like he he almost had the same amount of outs in all of those three categories right very balanced approach it It was 33 percent of each of those categories were recorded as an out right yeah no there there was contact it just wasn't positive contact to generate offense yeah and that's I mean that's how you end up two hitting a team but yeah. you you pitch like that you pitch for not just strikeouts you pitch for contact as well and you get guys out Everybody, like anytime you see a no hitter being thrown it's not just a guy going up there and striking out every batter he comes up against it's typically you're having a gr- like you're pitching for a lot of contact in those long stretches like and those the, long outings just can't hit the gap yeah. yeah and he did he did both very well last night and it's it's obvious that Auburn's bats weren't able to hit him and get any kind of generate like generate anything at all so it makes sense why why Auburn and the result was the way it was you can't hit you get two hits you're not going to win a lot of baseball games two more games in the series tonight 6 p.m that can be found on SEC Network Plus and then tomorrow at 11 a.m that game is on SEC Network so that'll be how you can start off your Saturday Auburn and Georgia if you're not watching the draft you'll be able to catch that ball game as well at this point you might be watching the draft I'll be watching the draft I'll 100% be watching the draft but do, do we think Auburn has a chance to take one two how, how are we feeling on that one I'm not feeling good at all right now yeah, not yeah I, I, I think we're treading that they're playing a dangerous game the way the, the way just, it went last night like it just it doesn't feel like they have a lot of confidence or momentum to go into the next two games they've been much more competitive 
in game ones than that. Yes. And to see Almer get two hit against the Georgia staff that is good. I don't know if I'd go so far to say, you know, elite in the SEC or anything, but to go and get two hit in the first game, that sets a really poor note, a really poor tone for the rest of the series. I don't know how this team can find a way to get off the map, but I I think all of us can agree it would be good for Auburn if they don't get swept. The wheels could fall off of this thing if they if they get swept. And one thing that we can say about Auburn baseball this year is despite the fact that the record hasn't gone their way and it's been an off year, they've at least been competitive. You don't want to see that trend in the negative direction when after this series, you've got LSU, Texas A&M, and Missouri, and all three of those are very winnable series. You want to see them still stay locked in and try and make the most of it down the stretch now that you've got some winnable series in front of you because, look, postseason, at least the NCAA tournament, that train has left the station but you can still get to hoover you're that that is not like you're you're still relatively close to a&m in the standings you can get past a&m and get to hoover that's what auburn's playing for it's something it's something to play for and if you've got some young guys on this roster it's good for them to make that trip and, and to get experience in that tournament setting for the future now of course auburn's going to lose a lot of guys off this team and i'm still trying to figure out where auburn's going to be at next year in terms of a lot of next year's hopes are based on development of a couple of guys coming back and hoping that the recruiting like those guys they end up stepping on campus and it ends up clicking with them pretty quickly that's true and like it, it you you're looking for the future at this point like you're looking for the future of Auburn baseball at this point you're not trying to this season's gotten away from them for the most part and you're just kind of I think building. fans are but I don't know if the players should be I think the players no, yes, very the player, much so the should stay to, present the players should be engaged but from a talking point and like you said fan perspective you're kind of just looking ahead and thinking all right so where where does this team line up next year what's going to be needs what are going to be issues what kind of guys are we going to need to get into the program because you're right we are that Auburn baseball is losing a lot of guys off of this team so you got to think like, what are we going to do? The best forward? players are leaving. Yeah, like you got to get some of the young guys in. I honestly, like, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, if you can make that trip to Hoover, like, you want to get those guys in that experience. Like you were saying, you just want to get those guys the feel for it. So if you do rebuild this team within the next few seasons, they're not just culture shock. Like they've been there before, and they can understand what it takes to get there and what it's like being there, and not just kind of be, oh. Well, I'm a little bit, like I said, shell shot, blindsided. You you want to get that experience. Like that's all you want to do for those younger guys. Your top four hitters are all draft eligible. Your, well, excuse me, your top five hitters are all draft eligible. I forgot about Case and Al. Case and Al can return. Your top five are all draftable. They're all draft eligible. Tyler Miller at 347 batting average. He's a junior could get drafted high enough in this year's 20-round MLB draft. Could. And if he does get drafted, I don't know if another year pushes him up higher. I don't know if he's willing to I don't know if he's willing to sacrifice that year to come back to college and roll the dice. I don't know on that one. Ryan Bliss is gone. The guy's a junior, but with the way he's hitting right now, that that guy's gone. I think he's probably the foregone conclusion in this group. Rankin Woolley's a fifth-year guy. He's got no more time. He's gone. You've got Brody Moore, who is also draft eligible as a junior. This is a guy of the group that's hitting well. He's above 300, 308. He's hitting well, but I think he's got the best chance to return of those top four guys. But 
he could get drafted in the first 20 rounds and then you've lost your top four hitters the only guys that are batting above 300 case and how can come back he's batting 260 i think we probably see him return how returns bryson ware has to return he's a sophomore so bryson ware will be back i don't know if we see such a jump in average for case and how where you're like okay this guy's batting above 300 next year i don't know if we've seen that out of him at the plate but he definitely has improved to this point to be hitting 260 Bryson Ware is a guy that I think has the potential to hit above 300, has the potential to be a big bat for you, to provide that power that you're missing from Ryan Bliss and Rankin Woley and then Tyler Miller possibly. That's the mass amount of your home runs right there, aside from Bryson Ware and Stephen Williams, who also add a nice bunch for you, but Bryson Ware just six. He's sitting right now at, he is third on the team in home runs, but you've got three guys in front of him on that list with Tyler Tyler Miller, Ryan Bliss, and, and Stephen Williams as well. And then Stephen Williams very well could be gone. He's a senior, does have another year where he can return, but I think he could get drafted high enough. That's I think true. he could be a top 20 round selection. So he, now you've lost. Sorry, Levi. Now you've lost. No, you're fine. You've lost five of your top seven hitters. They're like not, that's hard to come great. that's hard to come back from and you have like there's it depends on what guys it really just depends on certain guys who decide like those fringe people those fringe players on this team where like you said they can go they might get drafted like they, there's a possibility they get drafted in a 20 round selection like a top 20 round draft but do they and that like it's going to be weird it's gonna be interesting to see because that's what's going to really dictate what Auburn does moving forward you might lose more guys than than you're anticipating you might lose less guys than you're anticipating it's really too early to tell what's going to happen for Auburn to kind of rebuild and fix this team because you don't know who's coming back for sure there are a lot of guys who might not be here there are a lot of guys who might end up saying it could be as much as five of your top seven hitters or as little as two of your top seven hitters if it's closer to that two then maybe Auburn's lineup ends up being just fine next year especially with development at the plate then you switch over to the pitching staff and man I don't even know what that looks like next year of course Jack Owen could come back but and and I don't know if Jack Owen this year is a top 20 round selection as a pitcher possible I don't know if he is it just depends on how much they weighed the past and not this year because this year has not been good for Jack Owen but also he's getting ready to graduate the guy could just say well I'm ready to hang it up I'm not coming back and that's fair as well. I mean, it, it, it's fair just to hang it up and be like, you know what? I'm done. Don't want to don't worry about it anymore. And you understand it. You understand from a guy that if you don't want to come back, you don't want to come back. Some of the other names that could go, Carson Skipper could go. Cody Greenhill's definitely gone. So there's two of your better arms that could be on the way out. Peyton Glavin could go. I highly doubt it. That guy's not getting drafted in the top 20 rounds, but he has been good down the stretch. He could be an important piece for Auburn next season. He's just a redshirt junior. Still looking around here. Richard Fitz, I believe, will leave after this season. He'll be a top 20 round selection. Despite having an underwhelming year, I think that you see Richard Fitz get drafted still based on potential alone. Could be a top 10 round selection. Could be a top 5 round selection, I, I still believe, based on potential alone. Could see Richard Fitz. Some, head on somebody will take Richard Fitz just because of the potential like he he will be drafted higher than he probably played himself into just based off the potential and when you looked at the beginning of the season he was a top 20 prospect in the you know he was top 20 top 30 prospect in the country underwhelming season 
dropped him down, but there's still potential there, and somebody's going to want to scoop him up and take a flyer on him. If all you lose is Greenhill and Fitz, I think you can, you've can. you got some arms. You've shown some potential this year. If guys develop, you're going to be all right. Joseph Gonzalez, I think is. I think you look at all of these guys. Trace Bright, Joseph Gonzalez, Mason Barnett, Peyton Glavin, and Carson Swilling. Those five guys, even Hayden Mullins as well. you got to keep in mind Hayden Mullins right now has the fourth lowest ERA on the team at 2.38. Better than Greenhill, better than Barnett, better than Fitz, better than Owen. He's, I mean, he's at a 2.38 ERA. All those five guys that I just named, all of them have had like two-week, three-week stretches where they were throwing the ball really well. And then after that, teams figured them out. But at least they showed the potential. They showed the ability against even some good teams. They've done it against SEC teams, and they've done it against some non-conference teams. You've seen five guys in this pitching staff and this entire team that has had at least two or three-week stretches where they've been doing pretty well. Peyton Glavin's in the midst of that right now. But before this, he was getting shelled, right? So you're like, well, is he figuring this out? Mason Barnett early in the season was looking great. Now Mason Barnett... He's not looking as great right now, but he's shown the potential. And so what I'm trying to say, Carson Swilling's another guy who's been doing really well at the moment. He's got a 2.7 ERA. He's still better than Green. He's better than Greenhill in terms of his ERA. And I know it's different situations. One guy was starting for a large portion, uh, large portion of the season. The other guy was a was a middle reliever, late ball game reliever. You know, it, different situations. But still, the point I'm trying to illustrate to people is there are five arms that could be coming back next year that all had two, three week stretches where they looked pretty good. If they can turn that into next season having a complete year, you're going to be all right with your arms as well. There's still a chance for all this to be okay if they can piece it back together. But when I look at it for Auburn baseball right now, you're, you're like I said at the start of the segment, you're basing next season on hope that these guys develop, which a lot of these guys were on the roster a couple of years ago. So what happened? So I'm not feeling great about where Auburn's baseball program is is at right now heading into next season but you know that there is talent you know they've recruited well and you know they've shown the potential it just comes down to where's the development at that's it's it for literally is just, 2022 it's development I mean that's kind of what that's what is that's kind of what that has held them back to a degree is certain like they have had certain guys who haven't developed into what they thought they would and they just seem a little bit behind been underwhelming at times and there's still potential for that to happen next year. You don't feel great about it, but it, there is a chance for it, and that's a little bit of a hope that Auburn baseball fans can have moving forward. On the other side of this break, we come back, talk more about the NFL draft, and then coming up at 3.30, we're going to speak with Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports. Stay tuned here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. You're on the line with Levi Fitzwater and intern Sting. We got Jeremy Law coming up in the next segment. We got talk some draft Alabama perspective. You know, he's a big Alabama guy, knows all about it. He's going to walk us through all that. ESPN 106.7, Fox Sports Central Alabama 98.3. We still want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Doesn't matter what you want to talk about. We've been excited about the draft. You want to talk about the draft? I'll talk it with you. You want to talk basketball? We'll talk it. NBA, Major League, Korean baseball. I'm pretty much a regular on talking about uh, that. Hockey. Dino fans out there. Hey, I'll talk to you about it. Stanley Cup playoffs are coming up too. Exactly. There's a lot to talk about. If you want to talk about anything, again, 334-321-1390. We will take your calls regardless of what you want to talk about. We're going to hit on the quarterbacks later on. We're going to save that for last in the draft. Talk about those quarterbacks. But right now... We're just going to kind of fill in the gaps here 
talk about maybe some shockers, maybe some surprise falls, maybe some guys that being a little bit undervalued at their draft position, or you know, some guys who we think missed out. I think the big one that I think they goofed on, I think it's Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I, they got the, the best. They got the best receiver in the draft, and they, but they didn't need a receiver. And the the issue is, it it doesn't matter when Jamar Chase is wide open down the field when Joe Burrow is planted into the dirt. Like yeah. there, it it just absolutely mind. Like I was mind blown to see them do it. I get why they wanted the Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase. They wanted a cool little story, right? They got the, fla- the they they went flashy. They yeah. went flashy. Pick. The only draft prep evaluation, anything that you needed to do if you were the Cincinnati Bengals, is to look at that nice little scar on Joe Burrow's knee. Just and look at make that. Make the decision to grab the yep. best offensive line prospect in the last several years. Yeah, like the board he's, he's because a, he was right yes. there in your lap, and you let him go so you could get Joe Burrow's buddy from college. Not saying that Jamar Chase is not going to be successful. I actually think he'll be very successful, but. Joe Burrow was sacked 32 times in 10 games last season. That was three times a game. I mean, he, you have to and you, you have to nerf that. And you have a great offensive lineman prospect in Panay Sewell who, yeah, like just fell into it, Detroit's lap now. And oh, and Detroit was so Detroit was excited. I mean, I actually got yeah. a notification on Bleach Report. Lions GM was hyped, all caps for Sewell. Yeah, obviously. I got and, a friend of mine who's a Lions fan. He was dancing oh, yeah. around like. Best offensive line in the NFL now. With and I think, Sewell. And, and I think that's what, like, as a line, like, if you're looking at it from a Lions perspective, they got lucky because of the fact that Cincinnati, in my opinion, I think they goofed on the pick because simply for, like, and it's not that I don't want it to be to seem like I, I'm not high on Jamar Chase because I think he was the best receiver right. in this draft. The issue was not receiver. Like, yes, that's not a need. Jamar Chase is going to make your receiver room better. He has rapport with Joe Burrow. That's awesome. I get why you do it, but it does not matter if you can't sit in the pocket long enough to get him the ball. Like, that's that's the big issue. The big issue is the Bengals line has been abysmal for the past five or six years. And I don't understand why when you're sitting there, like, I would get it if a guy like Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater wasn't available. But those two guys are very highly touted. Right. And, I mean, obviously you can bust, you can miss out, but those guys were very good linemen that could help you really up a spot. You really lucked out, too, because the top three picks were all quarterbacks. You had the fifth pick in a draft with, like I'm saying, probably one of the best offensive line prospects in several years, and he quite literally fell into your lap because the first three teams took a quarterback and the Falcons took a tight end in Kyle Pitts. He was sitting right there waiting for you. It would have been so easy. And they, they, they went with a flashy kind of cool story pick instead of filling a serious need yeah and I agree with like I agree they just I think they kind of overlooked the need and went for the flash which that happens it's the draft and you just hope like I hope it pans out I hope that maybe some of their line that they have develops and I just don't want to see maybe they maybe they believe in their line but I don't want to see Joe Burrow's career get wasted because he's getting just right and he had a really good rookie rookie season but he was getting sacked an average of three times a game and had a horrific knee injury. I mean, and it's easier to get injured again when you've already gotten injured once. And if he's not getting better protection, especially when you have the opportunity to get that better production with no strings attached, attached yeah. practically, talking, you've got to go for it. Yeah, talking on some of the questionable picks that went into the NFL draft. Again, we're going to save some of the Alabama questions for Jeremy Law when he comes on. And we're going to talk quarterbacks as well later on. Did they get it right or did they get it wrong with the quarterbacks or where they fell? I think I, I'm, I might be in the minority here, and I know some people agree with me. 
I think the I think the Falcons made the wrong pick. I think Kyle think Pitts. So? I think Kyle Pitts is a can't miss prospect at the tight end receiver position. He's an absolute offensive weapon. The issue is it doesn't matter. The Falcons are going to score 50, 60 points yeah. next year, but they're going to give up 70, 80 points right. because the their Falcons, defense is so bad. Yeah, the Falcons are not losing games because of their offense. And I get I, I get why you take him there, and I don't think it's the fault of the Falcons because they were trying to trade out of that position. There wasn't a guy that they could take from a defensive perspective at the number four overall right. pick you can't that made that it. that you couldn't justify. So like maybe they didn't necessarily mess up the pick because they couldn't trade out because they were trying. It's they not were. like they weren't trying. They were trying to get out of that four spot. So they could go back and maybe get a guy like J.C. Horn, like Patrick Sertain, like get one of those top defensive guys, like move down just a little bit. You would have liked to see it. But like I, where they were, you have to take – if you're not going quarterback, you got to take Kyle Pitts. I get it. Yeah. Or, I mean, you could get Panay Sewell if you really want to shore up that offensive line and make, a, make life a lot easier for Matt Ryan because I'm in the camp. I know a lot of people aren't. Matt Ryan isn't the problem. No, it, Matt not Ryan's not been the problem. The receivers and the skill position players have not, not been, been the problem. problem. Running backs, yeah, the last year, I mean, they were trotting Todd Gurley's corpse out to vulture every touchdown. Talk from about a fall from everybody. Grace, as far as running backs are concerned. That's that's a different story. Right, I know. It's yeah, whole, it's a different story. Right, but yeah. it's like he was so good with the Rams. And, but that's what happens to running backs in the right, NFL. They, they just right. get worn out real quickly. Mm-hmm. The mileage is so bad and yeah. so much damage. Yeah, for sure. I could see them taking a guy, I guess, like a Javante Williams later uh on tonight, or that'd be a great you know, pick. I, I think I could see them getting a guy like that because it doesn't seem that they care about their defense, and they never have. Right, it just I mean, seems they, like they keep drafting offensive players. So I get it. I, I I understand. I just don't think the offense was the problem. I think that Matt Ryan has been fine, and I know that a lot of people are in the camp, especially Falcons fans, where they don't like Matt Ryan and they want to blame Matt Ryan for everything. And it's easy to blame the quarterback, though. Right, yeah, well, everybody says he hasn't been that good, but you would talk about He's him in a lot. Fine. You would talk about him in a lot of different light. If he wasn't wearing a Falcon jersey, if he was wearing a different jersey, I think people would speak a lot differently of Matt Ryan, probably mm-hmm. speak high, more highly of him. It's just the fact that the Falcons have ha- they have that stigma right now. They have that stink that lingers over from that Super Bowl. You're telling like if they a couple coaching decisions, and I think it's, it's I'll give the Falcons this. I think it's been the coaching problems that have yeah. plagued them and their defense. It's not Matt Ryan's fault. There's a reason they keep blowing leads. It, you ha- yeah. to have a lead, you have to be up in a game which means you are scoring enough points to win you games. Problem is, when you start letting people come back, that just means your defense isn't stopping them. Right, and I think there is maybe a small like counter-argument there with the offense as well. The offense needs to be able to continue to score points instead of going cold, but I feel like it's just a momentum and, thing, but it's absolutely on the and, defense. And I, also, and I also can attribute that. You can attribute that to coaching and scheme right. when it comes down the coach to— coach lets off the gas and yeah, starts being you really end up playing. You end up playing not to lose instead of playing to win, and yeah. that's what happens. That's how you blow a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl. It's because the coaching staff got a little bit timid. I don't think— the offense has ever been the problem. I don't think Matt Ryan is the problem. You have a receiving roster with Julio Jones, who is not the Julio Jones of old. He plays 15 games a year, but he's about 60% for most of those games. Yeah. But you're still scoring points. I would have liked to see them take the defense and get a pick there, but understand if you can't trade out, you got to take Kyle Pitts, yeah. and that's just how it goes. We'll be right back on the next segment of On the Line. Stay with us. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back.
You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater, as well as intern Sting on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Joining us on the phone line now, as promised, Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports. Jeremy, how you doing today, my man? Doing well, guys. How are y'all doing? I heard you... Uh... You have your binoculars out looking for the first Auburn player to get drafted, I know. <laughs> well, we don't have to look too far to see Alabama guys get drafted in the first round for Just you. Just messing with you. I know. I, I completely understand. I don't think Auburn guys get drafted today. I think guys get drafted tomorrow, and uh, it was a disappointing year. How often do you see six of five teams put a ton of guys in the draft across the first two days you just don't see it that often you don't so I, I don't think it's out of the I don't think it's uh I don't think it's that strange that Auburn's not having anybody drafted these first two days well I mean Alabama's not too far removed from what was that 06 when they put absolutely nobody in the league before Nick Saban got there so I mean actually is the 07 DJ Hall senior year so I mean that's that's not too long ago so maybe we don't have too much room to talk but what did you guys think about the draft thought overall good atmosphere I thought that they, uh, I thought Greeny from ESPN had to explain too many times that Roger Goodell had been vaccinated and everybody else was had been tested. But other than that, it felt pretty normal. It was, it was pretty close to normal. I mean, it was it was nice just to have people back there. I mean, last year was awesome that the, it was awesome for the fact that they were just able to get it done last year and have that. But it's nice to see everybody back. They were bringing fans on stage, which was nice to kind of bring back some sort of normalcy, getting to throw it out there. You saw a lot of guys getting drafted that typically you, you it's, it's the draft. It's fun. Like you see guys that get drafted a little ahead of where you think they're going and Yesterday some guys falling. Yeah, like I mean some guys falling around. Like a lot of stuff happens and you get you get teams like the Bears who just have Justin Fields almost fall into their lap. I mean, they have to trade up to get him, but they didn't think they could reach on they didn't think they were gonna be able to get a guy like that. And you see teams where sometimes a guy like Panay Sewell falls past the Bengals and the Lions are just sitting there licking their chops and that's why the that's why the draft is so awesome yeah I, I thought that there were a lot of things that happened that people weren't expecting like if you're the Bengals how do you not draft somebody on the offensive line to protect Joe Burrow who got absolutely hammered last year before he got he went down with his injury I mean Mac Jones falls all the way to Bill Belichick it's probably the guy Bill Belichick wanted anyways Justin Fields ends up with Chicago and it feels like they have the first quarterback in forever uh, Atlanta's going to roll out with Matt Ryan here. They pick up probably yeah, the best tight end prospect in a while in Kyle Pitts, who's going to play wide receiver tight end or anywhere you want him to. I thought it was a really fun night, though, guys. I really did. Whoa, 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 whoa. Pump the brakes on Matt Ryan. A.J. McCarron is just signed there now. You better, He better watch out for that job. If I told you in 2012 that, that A.J. McCarron was the second worst starting quarterback of the Nick Saban era would you have believed me back then that if Nick told you Nick Saban coached till 2022 that AJ McCarron would be the second worst it's crazy to think that Alabama last three starting quarterbacks are all top two uh round draft picks and they're all three probably going to be starters in the NFL this year oh now we're getting into an interesting topic sell me on Jalen Hurts better than AJ McCarron well, there, there's a chance that Jalen Hurts starts 16 games, and that's all I'm basing that on. I don't really think Jalen Hurts is a great NFL quarterback. He's probably the best that the Eagles have right now. He has a weapon in Devontae Smith. A.J. McCarron's been a guy that's been around the league, has been on some teams, been at the Bengals, been at the Texans, now at the, at the Falcons. Um, but Jalen Hurts is going to be 
better than A.J. McCarron. He's going to have better stats than A.J. McCarron because he's going to get a chance to start a bunch of games this year. In the that's, league, that's my right? only argument. Absolutely. In college, though, would you have thought I think A.J. McCarron was a better quarterback in college than Jalen Hurts, at least at Alabama. We're talking oh, about listen, Alabama. A.J. McCarron is a cage foster away from a three-peat. I mean, just think about that. A.J. McCarron would have been the greatest college quarterback of all time, and it would not even – you would have put him over Tebow. You would have put him over so many other guys. A.J. McCarron was a kicker away from maybe – he really was a kicker away from maybe never losing a game outside of that Texas A&M game. And that is crazy to think about. It's all about the rings. That's all. That's it. You just got to view the rings, and it's there. I think it's important to differentiate greatest and best, though, because I think there are other quarterbacks we would say were more talented than McCarron. But you look at McCarron's stat lines at Alabama. I bring up his last two seasons, mainly his junior season, a lot when people say to me that he was just a game manager. The guy had thirty touchdowns and three picks in his junior year. That's not. That's not a game no, manager. McCarron was not a game manager in Alabama. I'd, I'd still, I know I said that, I'd still probably put him ahead of Jake Coker as well. But the last three QBs in Tuscaloosa are all going to be starting NFL quarterbacks. A.J. McCarron's better than Jake Coker. But, I mean, that's, an, that's pretty impressive what Nick Saban's done at the quarterback position and what they've been able to do in the NFL draft over the last, uh, you know, two or three years. I mean, to think that A.J. McCarron, how good he was at Alabama, can still never – start to crack a starting lineup in the nfl and and that those those three guys that have been picked last hurt to uh, uh and mac jones are all three going to be starting quarterbacks in the nfl quarterbacks need their receivers too though and it helps to have had four guys all in the same room that are now also first round draft picks in the nfl draft what'd you think about alabama receivers and their locations after yesterday's first round of the draft Listen, make no mistake about it. It's way easier to throw to Judy, Ruggs, Waddle, Smith, et cetera, than it was to throw to Marquise Mays, Darius Hanks, and, and Norwood, although Norwood I thought was really, really good while he was at Alabama. So, listen, the talent at receivers probably a little, there's a discrepancy there, obviously, but I thought Waddle goes to a good spot. He's going to be featured. The, fa- the Eagles needed to feature somebody. They're going to have Devontae Smith. I thought that Devontae Smith, you know, I – He's probably not going to have the numbers that Waddle's going to have, and Waddle is Waddle's going to put up a lot of stats because two is going to throw him the ball. I still don't know if Jalen's going to be consistently good enough passing to get Devontae Smith the ball, you know, throw in and throw out the way that the Eagles are going to want to. And they're going to want to throw him the ball. They picked him in the first round. They put him there for they picked him there for a reason. Um, but man, I, it was a great overall day for Alabama, and they were one pick away from breaking the Hurricanes record. I thought Chris Barmore came out, um, left Alabama because he got a first-round grade. But, listen, those grades are just a sheet of paper, guys. Once once these guys start breaking down your film, they, they want to know why Barmore, for the majority of his career, was only a third-down guy. And it really just last year, he was mainly a third-down guy coming in trying to get the quarterback dominant through all of that. But it felt like Chris Barmore left Alabama because he felt like he got a mid-to-late first-round grade, and he doesn't go. And Landon Dickerson probably would have been a first-round draft pick if he didn't tear his ACL. I mean, Alabama was that close to having eight guys go in the first round. How do nine players get drafted before Devontae Smith? Uh, I think NFL – I'm not saying that – there's no guarantee in the NFL. I think they're all going to be good, but I'm not guaranteeing it. But I think Devontae Smith, uh, NFL teams – there's a guy – there's a type of player that Nick Saban recruits. 
and they got to fit a certain body style most of the time, especially if they're out they're out wide playing receiver. And there's a certain type of guy that plays in the NFL, and there's not a lot of guys that look like Devontae Smith playing in the NFL. There's not a lot of 170-pound receivers in the NFL. Now, Devontae Smith could break through the ceiling, and that could end up being the new norm. But there's not a lot of a lot of the people's Devontae Smith size play. And Devontae Smith, I think, is definitely an outlier. I think he's a great player. He's great at Alabama. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. I think he's got to be great in the NFL. But that's why a lot of NFL teams decided to pass on Devontae Smith. And Jalen Waddle, you think about it, I think he was in the Iron Bowl. He was still the second leading receiver for Alabama. And he hadn't played in four or five weeks. That's how good Jalen Waddle was for the first five ball games. So sell me on Mac Jones to the Patriots. Just sell me. Because I was a little bit lower on Mac Jones than some people were. Just sell me on him to the Patriots. What does it mean? How do you think he's going to do? Like, just go ahead and just sell me on him. I'll tell you. I mean, what do you? What else do you need to see? College football record and completion percentage. He's very efficient. He knows where the ball is going to go before he snaps it. I mean, that's, that's 90% of playing quarterback. And then the other part is accuracy. It seems that he has that. He's going from one professional system to the other. He's going to his college head coach's best friend's team and Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. That's a team that has spent a lot of money in the offseason. They've made a lot of moves. They've made a lot of trades. Uh, Mac Jones isn't walking into a situation like Trey Lance where you don't know what the heck's going on in San Francisco, and he's not walking into Jacksonville, and he's not Zach Wilson walking into a Jets locker room where Zach Wilson probably doesn't know anybody else on the team. I mean – Mac Jones gets drafted in the first round, and he's looking around sitting pretty, and everybody's, you know, he had a smile on his face, and some people might have said that, you know, he was sitting there late back there in the green room, and people should have taken him. But I think Mac Jones is very happy about where he got drafted, and I think he knows that he might not start day one, day two, but once he gets the start and once he can put the football in his hand, he's going to have a team that is Super Bowl caliber deep, playoff run caliber and Mac Jones is a guy who who obviously the Patriots think can can take him back to maybe not where Tom Brady took him year in and year out but to where Tom Brady took them quite often Jeremy I appreciate you hopping on the show with us today tell everybody where they can find you on social media oh yeah you can find me on Twitter at INJ underscore law you can read a lot of Noah stuff my stuff on uh, radioalabamasports.net appreciate your time guys y'all take care have a great weekend Appreciate it, my man. I hope you have a good weekend as well. That was Jeremy Love, Radio Alabama Sports, on the line with us. We wrap up the show on the other side of this break. You're listening to On the Line. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and intern Steve with you on the show. Wrapping up the show here on On the Line. Thank you to Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports on the line with us for joining us in that previous segment. If you missed that conversation, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Save the best for last here. Talking about some of the quarterbacks in the NFL draft yesterday. Aaron Rodgers news. He doesn't want to be in Green Bay. He's putting he's putting his foot down. Do you guys think this is legit? Because we've seen this temper tantrum before and nothing has changed. 
Is this truly the end of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay as we know it? I think it might be. I, I think it could be. I, I, I don't put it past him. You have I a want a bit, yes or a no. I'll say yeah. You have a little bit more. Um, you have a little bit more player empowerment than you did the first time that you know he's had these problems. And if I'm being honest, I don't blame him. I don't blame him because the Green Bay Packers have let Aaron Rodgers down at every single turn, it seems like. They stuck him with Mike McCarthy for years and had him saddled to that guy. Wouldn't get rid of him. <laughs> they never, like once Jordy Nelson and guys like Randall Cobb left, they was like, all right, well, we'll give you one receiver. Do you want another one? Yeah, cool. We'll just draft your backup. How about that? And it's like they, they kept playing this power game with him where they never really would try to help build our team around him and just kind of said, oh, what do you need? You need, you need help on defense? He'll give you another running back. That'll be awesome for you. Like, I get why he's upset. I'd be upset, too, and I don't understand. Like, I understand why he'd want out. Sting had a great point at lunch. You had a, you had a fun fact about the drafts for the Packers' yeah. first-round picks. So there have been 10 drafts since the Packers won Super Bowl forty-five with Aaron Rodgers. And obviously the Packers have had 10 first-round picks since. They have used exactly one of those first-round picks on an offensive player. That one pick was Jordan Love, who everybody believes will be Aaron Rodgers' replacement. Funny. That's all, funny. The other nine first-round picks have all been on defensive players. And that's, and that's fine. If, you, if you're trying to build a defense, that's good. Like I understand their approach is probably thinking— And it's turned out to be a pretty decent defense. It now. has been. If they're, it they're, hasn't been bad. Their but... approach has been, if we could get a defense, it doesn't matter who Aaron Rodgers has around him— He's still going to be fine, but like, it doesn't matter how good your quarterback is. You got to have some talent at receiver. Well, even more than that, the quarterback has to be on board with that, especially when yeah. they're as good as Aaron Rodgers, because you also have to manage the happiness of your most valuable asset. So I want to compare this to a workplace scenario. I like to talk about that a lot when we talk about professional sports leagues, because in essence, that's what it is. It's, it is a workplace. You work for this franchise. It's just a much higher stakes workplace, because now there are contracts on both sides and a lot of money across those contracts. For me, if I were to go and say, or, or you or anybody else at their job, if somebody were, were to go to their boss and say, well, I'm not happy anymore. Well, the average individual, the boss says, well, bye. Yeah, get out. Right? But if you're valuable to the company or the most valuable person in your position, Aaron Rodgers. And maybe I should rephrase that. Maybe I should say if, if somebody goes to their boss and says, I don't want to be here anymore. Yes. Most of the time they're going to show they're you the say, door. Well, all right. Well, you know, and let's and, and I think there are a lot of bosses out there who would who would work with their employees maybe to to help you know build around uh, whatever their concerns are and whatnot. But at some point, like when you say that, that's like, hey, we got to break up. You know, like that's yeah. that's like, and so, but it's different in the NFL though because the players have more leverage because there's a contract now, or or players of Aaron Rodgers stature have more leverage because look there's no way look Aaron Rodgers has to play football for the Packers he has to regard like he can't he's got a contract if he doesn't play football he either retires like you said which is a legitimate option okay and then maybe tries to pull what we've seen some other players do and come back but wouldn't the Packers still have rights to him yeah they still have rights to him until that contract expires right so he either quits playing ball altogether which I don't think is a win for Aaron Rodgers unless he really just doesn't care about ball anymore he can go host Jeopardy I'm about to say he's fine he, he doesn't he have to worry I was say, he doesn't have to worry about it like he'll he'll go Hollywood he'll go back to California and he will do he'll do Jeopardy yeah. hosting and kind of transition into that like a little bit, a little bit later in the stages of like what LeBron James tried to that's do. That's a good point. Like I think that's what he, he. I think he just sits there and goes, 
what do I need to do? I'm an MVP. I've won a Super Bowl. I'm Aaron Rodgers. Like, what do I have to prove here? Sure, maybe I'm not giving help. Him, maybe I'm giving him too much credit for enjoying the game. Also, what's the point of continuing oh, to those, get beat up? Those days if are long gone. Win? I mean, if you're, not, if you're not going to win another Super Bowl, what's the point of continuing to get beat up? That's I true. think he we can also, win another Super Bowl, though. He's he's that good. It just also, he's got to be in the right situation. His front office needs to. They got to help him out. I mean, you're also risking like injuries, and you're probably looking at it as like, look, if y'all aren't going to help me out here, with what I'm trying to do, I don't need y'all. Bye. So going back to my comparison of the workplace, it's different though because Aaron Rodgers has a lot of leverage here. Like I said, he either they need he they, either takes his toys and plays somewhere else and, and quits altogether, just says ah bye, or the Packers are put into this situation where they either trade him or they cut him. They're not cutting him because he's Aaron Rodgers. So you have to either trade him or he retires. Aaron Rodgers has 99% of the leverage here, and the Packers are put in a situation. We were at lunch, and we were looking and seeing the headlines where it was saying that the Packers have no plans to trade him. It's like, that's, that's Aaron Rodgers' response just a few moments ago that you just brought up. You saw it on social media. That's Aaron Rodgers' response. You said Bleacher Report, right? Was yeah, the, Bleacher yeah. Report talked about him retiring. That's his response. He's like, okay, well, then I'll retire and you won't get anything. So you either, like Aaron Rodgers just checkmated it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. think about this. Aaron Rodgers, or I'm sorry, the Green Bay Packers need Aaron Rodgers a lot more than Aaron Rodgers needs the Green Bay Packers. A lot more. Like, a lot more, like, substantially it's more. astronomically. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't play, like, if he's not in a Green Bay Packer uniform and he doesn't play next year, what, well, like, who's scaring them? Are you are you afraid of Jordan Love right now in his career? We haven't, we haven't seen enough of Jordan Love. I haven't seen Jordan Love at all. Exactly. We haven't seen anything above him, so we don't know. He could come out and be... He could come out and be the next greatest quarterback that we see come in, but we don't know that. So it's hard to kind of say like, oh, yeah, they're they're going to be fine with Adam. They got the quarterback of the future. You don't know how he's playing. A lot of times you have the quarterback in waiting, and then it doesn't pan out. That's like That happens all the time. But Aaron Rodgers, you said it. He can go take his toys and play somewhere else if they trade him, or he can just quit altogether, have a cush gig doing, you know, Jeopardy, just – chilling start his own tv show that happens all the time oh yeah he can he can transition into aaron Rodgers. i can enter- totally see him being he's on a, fox he's an entertaining dude like yeah. people like like his interviews are funny like he's kind of he's got charisma he's got some personality dry humor yeah he's got that dry humor he could do that like he could be one of those guys they bring in on you know like a podcast type of deal where you're looking at like a guy or even at espn and seeing something like that from aaron Rodgers. i could see it I don't see him on ESPN. I see him like on like Fox, Fox doing like, the yeah, same NFL. thing that Gronk was doing and saying, <laughs> I love the story where where Gronk says that they tried to trade him to the Lions and then he says, he well, said, I retired. <laughs> and then he laughs. Just the childish laugh. I love it. That's what made the whole video. But still, I, the, the, the Packers do not have a leg to stand on here either because, as I said earlier, you got to manage your most valuable asset much better than this and And you have to take his concerns into consideration and as we pointed out in this segment already with stings fun fact about the draft that hasn't gone his way the coaching dynamic really didn't go his way until they finally got rid of mike mccarthy but that took forever and finally got left which has worked out pretty well i think that's been a pretty good marriage between the two but still there's just been a lot that has gone wrong in green bay and versus the little that has gone right for him over the last decade and now it's affecting his ability to win and he wants to get out and the packers are trying to keep him hostage you can't you've like they've lost they've already lost like unless they actually uh, unless they give him what he wants give him the demands in this situation you've lost and even now, like 
the reports seem that he's so disgruntled and disinterested that it does not seem that even giving him his demands will repair anything. Real quick, where did things get out of hand, though? Like, how could this have been prevented? Don't because draft I Jordan do Love. Think, yeah, I was going to say, don't, don't draft, draft Jordan, Jordan Love. Love. Give him a you receiver. Think that's where everything receiver. really ended? I think that was, like, the big one. I don't know, draft Elijah Moore yesterday? Like, something like that to at least, like, appease him. Even Say, man, we're here for you. Look, even if you don't think it's the right pick, sometimes you have to do that for your fan base. Or not, not in this situation, your fan base, but, like, sometimes you got to make decisions that aren't necessarily the best ones. Like, you know, sometimes you you just gotta, you gotta go wa- bird watching with the wife every now and then just to make her happy. And sometimes you gotta give them a receiver. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's solid. Happy wife, happy life. That's right. Happy quarterback. I don't know a rhyme for that, but <laughs> <laughs> that's it for another week of Live Alive. We'll be back on Monday. Same time, same place. You know where to find us.